What is going on, Rotor Grinders? Welcome back to the Sports Card Grinders Show. I'm your host, Dean. Uh, Uso suspects are here, Brennan and Simon. No time for pleasantries. We'll say hello in a second. Uh, joining us as he does once a, on occasion. We're happy to have him back. It's Jeff from SCI, Sports Card Investor. Of course, if you guys use the promo code GRINDERS, that's G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S, you get 20% off your first payment there at SCI Sports Card, Sports Card Investor. Jeff, uh, happy to have you with us. Uh, and we'll be showing off some of the tools, of course, throughout the show that people would get if they uh, would sign up on your site. Let us know about that, and uh, welcome back. Yeah, man. What's up, guys? Happy to be back and excited that as we're filming this today, the very top story right now on Bleacher Report is all about the explosion of the basketball card market. Um, happens to mention uh, sports card investor and market movers a few times, which I was pretty excited about. Um, and, uh, but it's just more great publicity, man. I mean, there's so much, I am sure a lot of the folks watching the show have seen so many headlines recently, whether it was that trout card that broke the all time record recently, or of course there was the LeBron card not too long before that. These types of headlines are great for sports card investing because the more attention that comes into the market, the more demand increases and then the more valuable the supply becomes. So it's a, it's a good week for a sports card investor. So, Jeff, that's a good segue into our first topic, and you mentioned that, Mike uh, Trout Carr, but we'll talk about that soon enough. And we'll talk about NFL players as well, some basketball players, too, have in the bubble, what's going on as far as the playoffs and how that's affecting the sports card market. But, Jeff, the first thing we want to talk about, you recently talked to Topps and Panini regarding the subject of overprinting. Uh, what did you take away from that conversation? I was watching a good, a good bit of it before, and it was on your stream, and hopefully we'll put that in, uh, in the description here at YouTube. Hey, YouTube, like and subscribe. And comment in the comment section. It's, it's yours. Have at it. Say hello. Tell us you want to hear in, uh, in future shows. Uh, your takeaway as far as that interview, you know, what, it, the market is hot. And what's to prevent Tops and Panini? Because we've seen it before uh, fr- from saying, hey, let's just pump out some more stuff and make some more dollars. Of course, on the front end, that, that's good. In the back end, that's probably not so great long term. What did you get from that conversation? Yeah, well, I mean, they said all the right things, right? And and they said that, you know, both of them said, like, look, our some of our executives were, you know, working in the hobby or, or big collectors or investors themselves back in the late 80s and early 90s, and they watched everything crash. And, you know, what happens on the secondary market is important to us, and we want a sustainable secondary market because that keeps, you know, everything sustainable for everyone. So they said all the right things in terms of we're very cognizant about not overprinting. Now, of course, they're in a very tough position because if you're running Tops or Panini, you, you realize right now you could basically print a zillion sports cards and probably sell through all of them and make a boatload of cash. So there's an extra degree of restraint that you have to put on yourself to say, well, by, by, by printing a zillion of these, it, it could hurt us down the road five, 10 years from now you know, but are you going to be judged by five or 10 years from now? Or are you being judged by how much money you can make this year? So it's a little bit of a tough situation to put, you know, really to put any business executive in. Um, all we can, all we can hope is that they are doing the right things and that they are, you know, not pulling the lever too, you know, too highly. I will say, you know, there's some anecdotal evidence to look at because they, one thing they don't do is they don't officially put print runs out, which is, which is annoying. And I wish that they <laughs> would officially put print runs out. Um, but, uh, you know, in the case of, uh, you know, Panini, obviously it's impossible to find basketball cards on retail, on retail store shelves. So I guess that's a good sign in a sense that like, obviously they don't, they aren't overprinting to a degree where you can walk into a store and easily get basketball cards because you can't. 
Um, so obviously there's a supply issue, which is, which is healthy. On the baseball side, a little less so. And, and I did just see a statistic where uh, somebody had attempted to kind of decipher using Topps's pack odds how many more uh, baseball cards were being printed this year uh, than last year. And I think they were using um, maybe the flagship Topps program, Topps release as a, uh, as a comparison point. And they concluded that 67 more percent was being produced and printed in uh, 2020 than, than 2019, 67% more. That's a little scary. Like I would, I, I, I would expect more to be printed, but, but, you know, jumping up, that amount. And I imagine they jumped up a similar amount, maybe in the year prior to that. It's, it's a lot. So look, I I don't, I don't know for sure, but, but even with that said, I still think we are nowhere near the printing levels that were taking place back in the junk wax era. When you hear stories of there being over a million Ken Griffey Jr. Rookie cards in circulation of his famed upper deck rookie card, like, we're nowhere near those numbers today. So I, I still think we're in good territory, but I mean, yeah, it's kind of dependent on, on tops and Panini doing the right thing going forward. Yeah. I remember it was the documentary talking about uh, on the sports cards back in the day. I can't remember the name of it. I'm sure you guys saw it. I'm sure you guys are aware of it, but they were talking about like the sheets. There was an yeah. entire sheet of Ken Griffey Jr. Rookie cards. It wouldn't yeah. be like a mixed bag of junior and a bunch of other dudes. It was just all yeah. Ken Griffey Jr. Cards, the number one upper deck, 1989. Uh, Simon, you know, we were talking about this pre-show to some extent, and, you know, you're somebody back in the day, and you, you uh, myself as well, the two of us, we lived through the era of, like, just how that market got oversaturated, and what lessons have you learned, and are you overly cautious now? Are you the right amount of cautious as far as buying and selling? I'm probably leaning more towards overly cautious. I just, after living through the 90s and experience, uh, experiencing that, I'm, I tend to just be a little more cautious in general when it comes to sports cards. But Jeff's definitely right about basketball cards not being able to stay on those retail shelves. And the secondary market, they're selling for at least probably about 3x right now. If you get a blaster box uh, for 21 bucks or so at Walmart, you can sell it generally for about 65 or so on on eBay. So after fees and stuff like that, you're making a decent, uh, decent margin off that. But tops, I think it's interesting that you said that they increased their printing by 67% because the retail on those tops, uh, Chrome blasters, you can buy them for about same, same price, about 20, 21, 22 bucks. And, and generally you can flip them for about 30. So it's much less than basketball, a lot less demand, I guess for for baseball, but also might have something to do with the uh, the print the printing uh, excesses. Brennan, uh, welcome back to the show. Your thoughts on this? We were talking pre-show, another conversation we had. We were talking about, uh, and you were talking about soccer cards, which you're excited about. You're the soccer expert here, uh, and you're like, well, why are people even selling these? Because they're going up, you know, uh, you know, three days later, a week later, that kind of thing. And you know, and I guess is there some sort of caution? Like, and again, there's lessons learned, and it's sort of a push and pull. Like, how much do you trust? the market and, you know, how much you trust the companies to not oversaturate? Well, where are you at on that? Yeah. Uh, so I think that uh, approaching the hobby with caution is a very good idea as with any sort of investing. I mean, I think, I think just this week alone, and we're only on Tuesday, I've read an article about the housing bubble is about to burst. The stock market's about to burst. 
People are saying the card market's about to burst. And, and quite honestly, all of these things could happen at some point in the future. I think we just have to be cautious. And one way you can do that with the way cards are now that they weren't in the past, you've got several ways to bake in safety from overprinting. There's grading, which we all know about. There wasn't as much grading back then as there is now. So PSA 10s, even for a card that's overly printed, will in itself be a little bit more rare, quite a bit more rare than others. You've also got things like parallel. And I actually like what Panini's doing because rather than meeting the increased demand by just overprinting select optic hoops, uh, prism, what they're doing is they're introducing different sets. Like we, we've seen with illusions coming out here recently, we've got mosaic uh, and, and all of these other ones that have come out. And, and so I think what you're going to see is if there is any fear of overprinting, the brands that are going to be hit the hardest are these lesser known secondary brands. And so, uh, you know, for me, I think the things like Prism, Select, Optic, Hoops, especially Parallels and Graded cards, are I'm pretty comfortable with. I'm comfortable with those. What I'm not comfortable with is the raw, especially in bad condition, the lower grade cards, and some of these brands that just don't have as much safety as they have had in the past. And so, um, you know, I, I feel pretty confident with where we're at now. It could get out of control, but I do, I do actually think that uh, during the the virtual, uh, Jeff's virtual, Dr. James Beckett said that a lot of people from Panini had worked with him and what they do, which I'm not sure they do at tops. I don't know that for sure, is they kind of print a little bit less than what they think they need, just like they used to with the Beckett uh, you know, price guides and all of that. So if that's the case, I actually feel pretty good about where Panini's at. And if the bottom's going to drop out anything first, it's probably going to be these, these secondary brands, brands that we're all getting hot about. Um, as far as soccer, the conversation we had before the show, there's just not very much soccer out yet. It's still in its infancy. So, you know, when you're, when you're seeing things double, triple and quadruple almost overnight, um, you know, if you think about it, if it's a Messi who might be the greatest player of all time and he doesn't have a lot of cards, no true rookies like LeBron, you know, I'm, I wonder why we wouldn't hold. There's certain players that, you know, I plan on holding for a long time because I think even through a dip, if we see one 20 years from now, uh, I think it'll be even more and we'll be setting more records. So uh, I'm approaching it, approaching it cautiously, but I, I'm, I'm not hitting the warning bells yet. I think there's a lot of things now that can protect us from overprinting that we didn't have in the nineties. You have a, a financial background. How does that affect your thought on this? I, I guess it, uh, you know, maybe this make you overly cautious. You're aware of a lot of things and you've seen a lot of things I'm sure. And uh, is that a good thing or a bad thing or kind of a mixed bag? I guess it depends on how you're approaching the hobby. If you're approaching the hobby from an investment perspective, which I'm probably 70, 30, uh, I think understanding the basics and the fundamentals of, of an at like just valuing an asset and markets in general, um, I think is a good idea. It really is because the more information you have and experience you have trading things like stocks or, or anything like that, um, the more confidence you have that if, if things go up and down, you can maintain a level head. Um, you know, funny as it sounds on the other end of a bubble, once it bursts is actually the best time to buy. That's where all the opportunity is. So I think if you go into it with the right headspace and you protect yourself, um, you know, I think that you can come out, even if a bubble happens, I don't think it's the end of the industry. And I don't think it's the end of, of sports cards as we know it. I think that in the long run, um, it's, it's, it's really good. But if you are not, if, if you're, we said this on the last show, if you're investing with money that you can't lose, like it'll affect your quality of life. You've got too much in the hobby to begin with. Um, and also if you find yourself emotionally affected by 
your card going up or down on, on, you know, on the screen and market movers or on eBay, then, you know, you might want to pull back and, and just get more comfortable with what you're doing. Cause if you have a, if you have a financial background and you're treating these like stocks, um, there's volatility in any market. It's, it's, it's magnified in the sports card market, but, uh, volatility is good. That, that is what allows us to make money, uh, from an investment perspective. All right, Jeff, put a bow on this topic and direct the people. Well, where can they see uh, the conversation you have with Dr. James Beckett, the conversation you had uh, with Tops and Panini regarding overprinting on your site? Yeah, they're all on my Sports Card Investor YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube and search Sports Card Investor, or you can go to sportscardinvestor.com and click the video tab and you'll see all those videos there. Um, all right, so talk about Mike Trout. Uh, the Vegas Day bought the card. I'm pulling the article up, and I'm, I'm sure, Jeff, you're probably more savvy in this as well. Uh, record, uh, record as far as this my truck my card, a super factor, became the highest-priced sports card ever sold, $3.84 million. I believe it's a one-of-one, one, 2009 Bowman Chrome. Uh, is that like a shocking price? Is that about right for you, Jeff? I mean, obviously, you know, the market's been booming, and I think he bought it a couple of years ago for, what, like 400000 or so on eBay, give or take. Uh, your thoughts on this, of course, Mike Trout is like, that's like buying LeBron. That's buying gold, right? Uh, well, in the baseball world, it is. I find it. I personally find that fact interesting because I know statistically, you know, Mike Trout is is the greatest player out there. But at the same same time, the guy's never sniffed a championship. And if he were in basketball, people would say that you know he doesn't have the will to win, and he's <laughs> never going to be you know never if he can't win the championship. And what are you worth? And you know, I, I don't know. So it's it's. Uh, but yes, in, within the baseball world, people think Mike Trout is the absolute gold standard. Um, is it surprising? Honestly, no. I don't think it's surprising. If you look at the trajectory that sports cards have been on, that was a 10x increase over the course of two years from what that card sold for in 2018 to what that card sold for now. But there's plenty of other sports cards that have gone up 10x. In fact, a whole bunch of sports cards, uh, maybe even a lot of the market has gone up 10x over the course of the last two years. So that type of increase, it may seem like an eye-popping number to see a card that sold for close to $4 million. But if you look at the percentage gain compared to the percentage gain of other cards, it's not that surprising. There's a whole bunch of cards that have gone up 10x over the course of the last three months, uh, you know, or the course of the last six months. So the fact it did it over the course of the last two years for, for such a rare card. And just to be clear, we are talking about the one of one. There's only one of these of his true first Bowman card in the world. And I can, what would it, what would happen if there was a true one of one of LeBron, which there's <laughs> not LeBron, LeBron number to 23 sold for $1.8 million. What if there was a one of one LeBron? That might be 10 million. What if there was a one of one Jordan? That might be 20 million. What if there was a one of one Mantle? That might be fifty million. So the fact that a one of one trout went for four million, I actually buy it. Yeah, I mean the ten x thing makes sense, but like you know, if a card goes from four dollars to like you know three hundred dollars, like, oh, well, that that's great. But you know, obviously that's much greater than ten x. But like the numbers that you're starting at, and then ten x is pretty incredible. Uh, jump in here, uh, Brennan, as far as your thoughts on this. Yeah, I think. Uh... I mean, the numbers are just staggering to me just because it's so far out of my budget. You see, you know, you think to yourself, man, if I had 4 million, would I be spending it on a card? But, um, you know, I, I think that it, it, like Jeff said, it makes sense. It's a one of one. Um, I know that a Picasso painting, I think earlier this year sold for a hundred million. 
And, and this kind of feels like a Picasso of the sports card world, a one of one of one of the greatest players of all time. So when you put it in perspective there, it's, you know, it's, it's quite a bit more reasonable. I think what this means for the hobby is that, you know, it's just another data point that we are headed to a new, uh, a new normal. And I know that term is overused nowadays, but you know, the nineties and now are so much different in so many ways that, you know, wherever the, the market lands, it's going to be much higher than it had been in the past. And I think this is just another thing that points towards that. I also think it means things for other goats uh, in, in, and I don't just mean the active goats like LeBron or, you know, Messi and Ronaldo are still playing in soccer, but um, what does it mean for guys like Kareem or, you know, Magic Johnson or Tiger Woods? I don't know how many cards Tiger Woods has, but, you know, I, I think what it means is there is a premium on the greatest players in any sport. And, you know, I think this is one, uh, one thing that should remind us that as, 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 as much as we get excited for some of these young players, there's only so many of these guys in any sport. And, and I think that the more of those guys you can collect and the rarer those cards, the better for the long-term profitability. And, and I, that's kind of my biggest takeaway from this. And Jeff makes an interesting point as far as uh, he, he hasn't sniffed the title, but baseball was forgiving. He can't throw the ball. He can't pitch. Like, it's not his fault. His, his pitching staff's not very good. Otani, blame Otani. He tries to pitch and not well, unfortunately, this year. Maybe next year he'll get at it. Uh, let's move on. Uh, Jeff, we wanted to show off uh, one of your tools there at, at – uh, at SCI, uh, a demo, basically a tool. And we're going to do a screen share here. Producer Devin's going to pop up a screen share. Uh, find some cards that have potentially been punished uh, due to some players getting knocked out of the playoffs. Uh, ja, Zion, you know, Booker, Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, well, what do we have uh, as far as some players? Have you seen a dip? Uh, I would say Zion. I'm guessing. I don't know. You tell me. I feel like he's probably taking a dip because it was really disappointing as far as the you know, New Orleans in the bubble. Yeah, so what we're going to look at here within Market Movers, this is one of the screens that I like to look at the most. This is price movements by player. So it's looking across our entire system at every single card that is in our system, looking at how those cards have moved in price, and it's putting it all together in one list. So a lot of people will come into price movements by player, and then they'll look over the last 14 or 30 days and they'll look at like, oh, what cards are hot? You know, oh, Carmelo Anthony's been hot and Donovan Mitchell's been hot and Damian Lillard's been hot. Yeah, you know, understandably so. But I think what's kind of interesting is to look at the list in reverse and see what has been cold. And if we, if we you know, collapse the period to let's say the last 14 days and sort the list in reverse order, which I'm going to do now, <laughs> you see some funny names on here like TJ Warren, right? And <laughs> didn't we all predict... Yes. By the way, didn't we all predict a couple episodes ago that uh, if you own TJ Warren cards, now is the time to sell coming off of one of his really hot games. He's down almost 73% over the last 14 days, right? Um, Paul George's cards are tanking down 32%. Michael Porter Jr.'s cards are down 39%. Now, Michael, jo- Michael Porter Jr. has played well in the bubble, but uh, he played so well that his cards had a crazy spike but then all of a sudden have softened a little bit and Denver looks like they may not make it uh, beyond this round in the playoffs. So people are starting to sell off Michael Porter Jr. right now. Uh, DeAndre Aiden uh, is a guy, he's down 26.6%. Well, of course, the Suns got bounced, you know? So it's interesting to look at some of these guys. Um, a couple that stand out to me, John Morant down 23%. Uh, Jackson Hayes down 18%. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, Jokic down 23% for the same reason, you know, that Michael Porter Jr. is down right now, that the Denver looks like they're, 
you know, maybe at the end of their run here. Um, you know, Westbrook's down 18% uh, after, you know, after not being able to play and Houston looking pretty shaky. Uh, Devin Booker uh, down 16.5% uh, and, jo- and Joel Embiid down 16.5%. And, you know, some of these guys like Embiid, I would expect that, that drop to continue to grow in the days ahead because obviously they just got eliminated. And then Zion is down 15.7%. So these are all interesting names to look at and you can, you can, you know, give some pretty clear stories as to why these guys might be down. Now, what I would suggest is looking at that list that I just said from a buy opportunity, because undoubtedly a player like Zion or a player like jaw or a player like Devin Booker, these are going to be big names heading into next season. And by the way, next season is not very far away. By next season, we're talking, you know, you're going to have a shortened off season this year. So we're talking, you know, not too many months till we're into next season. And all Christmas sudden, is the guess, right? Around Christmas time? Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're still finalizing. But yeah, it's supposed to be around that time, right? Um, and so, you know, I personally, I think using, you know, sorting this list in the negative uh, gives you some insight into where some buying opportunities uh, may be for you right now. I'm going to ask Brennan in a second, but how about yourself? Who's your favorite amongst the ones that have taken a dip that you think are worth investing in that will rise in the future? I mean, I just mentioned their names, but I, I, I like Zion, I like Jaw, and I like Devin Booker. Um, I like Zion and Jaw in particular because next year's rookie class is really not very hyped. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty about how good next year's rookie class is going to be. So I think this year's rookies are still going to be very relevant next year. And there's, and I think that although people are down on Zion uh, right now because of how he showed up in the bubble and, you know, maybe didn't meet world beating expectations or they're down on Ja because Memphis lost that eight spot and, you know, kind of faltered in the bubble. I mean, these are guys who I think are going to be super big names when next season gets going. There's going to be tons of hype around them. There's going to be a rekindled interest in them. Um, and their teams should also be on the upswing. I mean, the Pelicans and the Grizzlies, have really good young nucleuses. And I think next year they should probably find their way into playoff spots. Um, and so I, I, you know, those would be a couple of guys. who I say buy them, buy them when they're at their lowest points that they've been on in a while. And that's where they're at right now. So a couple of things. Uh, so a lot of people probably aren't watching this live, but Denver is playing in a few hours and they're down three, one. So it's possible they come back and win that series. Uh, they're not officially eliminated, but yeah, it's not like a promising. They won the first game in overtime and they got late. They, they gave the last three. Uh, MPJ, uh, he just can't play defense. Then they kicked him out of the starting lineup. He's getting roasted. He's too young. He's super talented offensively. He's still figuring out defensively. Uh, interesting with Phoenix, they were great in the bubble. <laughs> they were eight. No, they couldn't do anything else. But Aiton and uh, Booker are still getting punished, which I find interesting. I'm curious about, about Lillard. I'm going to ask you. I call up Lillard. I'm curious what, where Lillard's at because amazing in the bubble. I think he was the bubble MVP. Of course, now it looks like they're going to they're sputter out against the Lakers, predictably so. Uh, but Brennan, uh, who, who's the who's the player you have your eye on that, that's dipped down enough that you think is going to rise back up in the future? Yeah, so one name that wasn't on there as we just looked at it, but has been on there over the last week or so that I've been tracking pretty closely is Ben Simmons. And it's it's for the same reasons that Joel Embiid has been dipping down as well. Brett Brown's out now as the coach. They're going to be going through a transition, but we, we kind of forget how young and how good Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid have been. 
Uh, and so Ben Simmons to me is the better investment just because there's less injury risk. I know that he's injured now, so it seems counterintuitive, but you know, Joel Embiid always seems to have nagging injuries and Ben Simmons is a, a jump shot away from being, in my opinion, an MVP caliber player. And so to get him at a discount now before he potentially lands with a different group in Philly or on a different team altogether is a good bet. In my opinion, um, I, you're buying low on someone who I think is a very good talent. It just hasn't been the right fit. Um, the other name on there that I find interesting, and I, I agree with Jeff here, is, is John Morant. And uh, Zion, to another extent, although Zion's coming down from a much higher valuation than Jaw, so I would like to see him come down a little bit more because I actually thought Jaw was more impressive this year um, in totality. But Jeff makes a great point about the rookie class. It's not, it's not top-heavy from a star potential. There's a lot of role players in there. There's a lot of third or fourth best guys on, on a winning team in there. But there's no there's no top talents, and also these rookies' schedules and the team schedules are going to be thrown off with a short off season with with limited availability to players and facilities, and so I don't think rookies are going to have as big of an impact as they have with the 2017 draft on, uh, even going back to 2016, and I think that's going to push everyone to the next best young players, which are the sophomores and the juniors, and potentially back to to even 2016, which we're seeing Jamal Murray kind of break out here in the playoffs. I know they're down. Mm-hmm. But he's had 250. Well, no, he had 37 and then 50. Um, and, and so, you know, I think that people are going to focus on the second to fourth year guys next year. And those are the names I'm looking at. DeAndre Ayton, uh, Embiid, Simmons. Uh, and then I one that I found interesting was Jokic. Um, he always seems to be volatile for whatever reason. So if he gets down far enough, I wouldn't mind picking some of him up. Because I think the young core of Porter Jr., Jokic, and Jamal Murray is something that could be a top four team in the West uh, for the next five or so years, if they can keep that team together. Yeah. And you mentioned Simmons. I think there's a decent chance. Uh, of course they lost their coach. Brown is gone. And I wouldn't be surprised if Embiid and Simmons kind of go their separate way and they kind of, kind of sort of blow things up to a certain degree. Uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, Jeff, were you able to pull up anything interesting as far as lower? Just kind of throwing the name at you. I thought, yeah, it's a really, it's a funny, funny graph to look at. I got it up on the screen here now, you know, going before the bubble, you know, bubble, uh, bubble time. I mean, these Lillard 2012 prism, basketball PSA 10 cards were 600 bucks. They got, you know, as, as we started to get back to the season resuming, these were getting up to 800 bucks, close to a thousand dollars. Then, you know, he was just absolutely, you know, destroying things in the bubble, had his giant games, led Portland into the eight spot. And this card got all the way up to $3,000. So a card that was 600 bucks, 800 bucks before the bubble got all the way up to $3,000, and it stayed up in that range until just a couple of days ago um, when all of a sudden it crashed all the way down to the most recent sale that I have here being $1,600. So again, we went from six dollars to $800 up to $3,000, and now we're down to $1,600. And all of that movement has occurred over the course of 30 days, not even 30 days. Uh, which is really amazing, but it shows how volatile the market is right now. It shows it shows how hot sports cards are, and how and the fact that people are are really treating sports cards more and more like they are a stock, and they are trading in and out of sports cards very very quickly. Um, you know, based upon a player's performances, it's exciting and fun to see. And and no and no better story is told than by looking at Damian Lillard's graph. Yeah, and he's dealing with the knee, and who knows if he's going to play in the next game either, and almost definitely they're going to be knocked out by the Lakers, if not game five, game six, but a good run. And I just figured that would be an interesting name to throw at you because of the path he's taken in the last few weeks. 
All right, Simon, we're going to bring you back. Welcome back, Simon. I know basketball is not your forte, but you like some football. Football just around the corner. Uh, give me a couple of players that you're looking at that are trending in the right direction. I know you've been banging the drum. You're trying to will it into existence. You love uh, the wide receiver value. Is that going to be a thing? Did you make it a thing? Well, I, I just want to say first off on the uh, on the Damian Lillard chart, that's what I mean by being cautious. If you buy a card for eight hundred bucks and he goes up four x based on a playoff his playoff performances, that's when it might be a good time to sell before things go south for his team. Maybe his team gets eliminated or whatever. As you can see from the chart, you know his price went from thirty two hundred down to about sixteen hundred uh, real quick. So if you were up 4x on that that's a good time to be cautious and and take your profits and then maybe see how things play out play out uh before you decide if you want to maybe invest in another uh, another dame lillard card or whatever but yeah as far as nfl um the the wide receivers i've been noticing some some movement in those cards they're starting to catch on with people Uh, i know a lot of the guys that i'm looking at Chris Godwin was a guy that I've been looking at for a few months. He started to move. I think he's actually moved pretty uh, pretty quickly. And you can, if you look at a comparison between the Mike Evans 2014 Topps Chrome Refractor PSA 10 versus Chris Godwin's 2017 Prism Football Silver PSA 10, you can see that Chris Godwin's card has gone up maybe a little less than than 3x versus Mike Evans who's who still hasn't hasn't gone up all that much. I think there might be some some value in in the Mike Evans rookie card. Mike Evans has accomplished more than he, than Chris Godwin throughout their careers. I think there's a lot of hype on Chris Godwin going into this season teaming up with Tom Brady, but Mike Evans is in the same situation. I think the skill set of Godwin fits Brady a little bit better. But I don't think Godwin's been lighting it up in camp. And I think there's an opportunity if you want to pivot and go with Mike Evans, who seems a little bit undervalued compared to Chris Godwin there. Uh, Other guys that I've been looking at are Michael Gallup. If you play best ball, he seems like he's a little undervalued in ADP, which might be a good opportunity to buy low right now and then hope he pops off a couple times in the season. As you can see from NBA, the performances in the playoffs are dictating their price action. So people really are trading them like stocks. So if you can invest in a uh, handful of wide receivers who you think will have better than expected seasons and just kind of hold on to them and wait for their big weeks or whatever and, and then try to flip them, that might be a good idea Like to buy them on the cheap right now, if you can find them. But like I said, like Michael Thomas has tripled. That's one that chief was pushing on the show a few weeks ago. Um, Kenny Galladay has doubled since June. I still think he's undervalued, especially when you compare him to Chris Godwin guys like Deontay Johnson, Calvin Ridley, Terry McLaurin, Michael Gallup. Those might be all guys that you want to look into buying up their cards. And I, I refer mostly to prism, silver PSA 10s or prism PSA 10s when I'm talking about their their price action. But uh, National Treasures is also good to try to scoop up as many of those as you can while they're cheap and then hope to flip them at some point during the season. Uh, Jeff, your thoughts on Godwin, Galladay, uh, Mike Evans, any of those guys that were thrown out there by Simon and feel free to add some other receivers to the conversation or, or other positions. 
Well, what's interesting is Mike, Mike Evans had an incredible run up. It just happened a long time before Godwin. So if you look at, if you go, you know, if you go back to when the news Brady was announced going to Tampa and the period after that, you'll see Mike Evans card really moving. Like there were a lot of people who thought, you know, oh, now I need to go buy Mike Evans. So if you, if you look at the last 90 days, Mike Evans is actually the number one player in all of football cards with a 337% increase. I've got that up on the screen here. We're looking at the price movements by player over the last 90 days. But then if you switch to like the last 14 days, that's where you see Godwin in the list as a 50, as a 53% increase. And Evans is not, you know, in the top spot anymore. A lot of that Evans movement kind of happened earlier. And then I think people kind of caught on to the fact of like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. Evans is, is, you know, maybe the star, but Godwin actually had a great season last year and that guy might be the future. And so if Evans is moving, then Godwin should move as well. And so there was a little bit of a lagging effect and some value to be had there for a while on Godwin. Um, but yeah, you see, you know, a lot of, there's actually a lot of receivers that have moved quite a bit. Uh, Michael Thomas is up 268% over the last uh, 90 days. Juju Smith-Schuster is up 242%. I think, you know, maybe the return of Big Ben, people are excited that he could finally have a productive year again. Um, Russell Wilson finally getting some respect this offseason. I think we've talked about him on this show before, up 236%. And he was a guy who you know, perhaps didn't get enough respect for many years. And, and finally, the football hobby starting to show him a little respect. But in terms of players that I would look to for value, I would not, I, I, you know, I would, maybe there's still a little value to be had with some of these guys. Maybe, maybe with now how Godwin has gone up, maybe Simon's right that now, you know, Mike Evans stands to go up another level now that Godwin's c- catching up. I don't know. Um, but I would look to players who had disappointing years, maybe last year, and who have the opportunity to improve their stock, improve their status this year. I mean, you know, obviously an obvious one that comes to mind is Baker Mayfield. Um, You know, Mayfield is a guy who uh, was super hot two years ago as a rookie. Um, Everyone was chasing his cards. The hottest guy, you know, one of the hottest guys that you're in the football card market. Then last year happened. The Browns underperformed. He underperformed. He kind of fell out of favor. His cards dropped significantly. Other players raced past him. And now here we are entering this season. And this season, the Browns have the fourth easiest schedule in the NFL. If they, if they, have a, if they rebound, and of course that's a big if, but if they rebound, Mayfield's the type of guy who could see his cards have a significant rebound. So whether you're on Mayfield or Sam Darnold or another player who had you know, maybe some recent underperformance but has the ability to potentially get back into favor this year, that's where I think you can find some value right now. A couple of quarterbacks who did not disappoint last year, Jeff. I know Simon mentioned fantasy football and two of the top quarterbacks off the board, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I, I imagine you have both uh, in your portfolio to some degree. Do you have a, a one preference over the other, especially when you compare their prices versus each other? Yeah, and I'm going to call the charts up here as we talk. They're, they've been <laughs> – I mean, both of them have been an absolutely amazing run this offseason in terms of their prices. It's been absolutely crazy to watch. Um, I do own some of both. Unfortunately, I sold a lot of my Mahomes uh, right right when they won the Super Bowl. So, you know, <laughs> now I had made a good profit on it at the time. But since then, it's gone up several X, you know, over. So I wish I wish I had held on to some of that Mahomes. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Um 
So, uh, and, but then Lamar Jackson this off season has been incredibly hot. I was fortunate enough to buy about five of his, uh, of Lamar Jackson's uh, 2018 Prism football base cards uh, back in, um, back in uh, uh, the foot, back in the beginning of the football off season. Let me see if I can call those up here. Um, this is, uh, let's see, I got to turn uh, one of these off the graph here. Let me turn off the um, Lamar Jackson silver because that's a population 21 card. So that's really skewing the graph. Um, and let me show sales only here. And what we're going to see, let me turn that one off there. Um, all right. So yeah, now we're getting to what I wanted to show you. So this is a comparison of the top line on your graph is Patrick Mahomes 2017 prism rookie card which was the silver because in 2017 prism there were no base cards for the rookies there were only silver so you can see that's a card that if we go back three months ago was about twenty three hundred dollars today that card's about seventy five hundred dollars so that card's gone up three x in the last three months the line below it is lamar jackson's 2018 uh prism base card in psa 10 these are all psa 10s but he's had a similar rise. His, this card was a card for about $625 about three months ago. And that's a card that is now $2,750. So actually from a percentage standpoint, Lamar Jackson, Jackson's cards have actually outpaced Patrick Mahomes' cards pretty significantly this offseason, even though from a dollar standpoint, Patrick Mahomes' card rose more because it was already more valuable to begin with. Um, you know, obviously I think both of those guys make intriguing investments. I think, I think Mahomes, uh, at this point is probably going to go on to be kind of legend status and the chiefs seem like they're going to be really good for a long time to come. So I kind of see him as a long-term bet. Lamar's a little more risky. Um, but he's also got a little more upside. Like, you know, if Lamar comes out and, uh, if Baltimore performs to expectation this year, competes for the championship. Maybe they, you know, maybe they, they actually get past the chiefs this year. Uh, and he is another MVP like season. His cards could easily reach Mahomes' cards in value. They could go up three X this year. Um, whereas if they come out and kind of disappoint, fall out in the first round of the playoffs again, if the defenses have adapted to his style of play, then his cards could soften a lot. So Lamar Jackson's definitely more of a risk reward. Um, Mahomes, I think is a little more of a long-term bet. Good stuff, Jeff. Uh, Got to step aside here, and uh, we're up against the clock here, folks. We much appreciate you guys uh, watching the show. Uh, if you want access to all the tools that we've been showing off throughout, uh, again, get 20% off your first payment at sportscardinvestor.com. Use the promo code GRINDERS, that's, that's G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S. Uh, as we step aside and say goodbye, the mail day cards, if you guys have a mail day card, feel free to show it off. Devin, our fabulous producer, is going to tell you, going to throw it up on the screen if you guys uh, threw it up there for uh, the show off to the people. Brandon, also put out your socials. Tell the people where they can find you. Brandon, you're batting first. Sure. Yeah, so earlier in the show, we talked about how to protect yourself from overprinting. And one thing that I've tried to do, and this really kind of goes back to my childhood as well, is pick up some 80s and 90s cards. And so you can see I got an order in from ComC this week. Uh, I have a PSA 8 uh, cream in there. I just love the design with the pink and everything like that. And then the one in the middle here, it's actually from the 25th anniversary of the Lakers forum, I guess they handed them out at a game or something, but it's really hard to find Kareem, Kareem Skyhook 
in like a card. I think Tops has two cards with him doing the the move. And so I thought that was a pretty cool card. So I picked that up. And then uh, I think Skybox, uh, which you can see the Magic Johnson there, 1990 Skybox. That's one of the coolest designs with with the the animation on the basketball and the gold border. Um, so, you know, this kind of diversifies my portfolio away from the modern cards. And I think they look really cool. I'm going to keep those for a long time. Uh, you can actually see a lot of the other stuff that came in from ComC on my Instagram at the DFS advisor. I'm taking some of the ones that came in and, and providing a snippet below it about kind of why I bought it, what's my plan for it and all that kind of stuff. So um, you can check me out there and on Twitter at the DFS advisor or in the discord chat for Rotor Grinders. Jeff, you're up. Yeah, so um, uh, I uh, have been buying sealed wax recently. This is actually one I'm opening up in my next member's live stream that I do for my members every couple of weeks. It's 2012-2013 uh, basketball. I've been buying a lot of that. Um, and this is because uh, obviously just incredible rookie class. Um, you know, Lillard, uh, Anthony Davis, um, uh, Kawhi Leonard, right? So uh, this is an elite single pack it's got the clear elite cards in it from 2012 2013 excited about opening that people can find me at sportscardinvestor.com or on any of the social channels or youtube at sportscardinvestor simon close us out who may be on mute (laughs) oh simon I'm I'm sending I'm uh, showing off a book that uh, PSA (laughs) sent me I, I sent a PSA order back in July and it took a few weeks for it to get processed into the system before you have your typical 40-day waiting period, I guess, was the one that I signed up for. So that's finally began to go through that process. So hopefully I get my PSA cards back soon. And now that football is starting back up again, I think I'm going to be buying a lot more single cards in the coming weeks. All right. Uh, I do want to ask you all to like and subscribe. I would much oblige. We very much appreciate that. Also want to thank Simon for joining us, Brennan, Jeff. I was Dean. This was Sports Card Grinders. We're out of here. Thank you. Holler. Mm-hmm.